Hello and welcome to the Mike O'Brien Show. I am your host, Mike O'Brien. I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. With me, as always, Mr. Jeff Taylor in Celebration, Florida. How are you in Celebration, Florida, Jeff? Oh, I'm doing just peachy today because uh, I get the day off today. Day off is fun. I yes. love days off. We have days off. Today is Sunday. Um, we have a very special... Uh, guest with us first of all before we get into Sunday and what we're doing today on Sunday. Our very special guest is Mr. Sean Grandy, play-by-play man of the Boston Celtics. He will be joining us later in the program to talk about the Celtics, his career, just a little bit of everything, wrestling. The man is is uh, a very fun, interesting uh, human being. I see him running around the streets of Boston. We'll also talk about that. We did that interview before the game last night. We did the interview on what was it? Was it was it Friday night? I believe. Yeah, we did, yeah, we did it Friday night. And it's funny because you say I see him running around Boston, mm-hmm. but we did this interview already. So I will say, stick around and listen, and you tell me if you feel the way that I same way that I feel. Mike is stalking Grandy. I walk around town and I see people. It's not my fault that on my walks, just aimlessly around town, which now, especially because I'm a laid off, uh, all I do is walk around. It's officially cold now. It's There's no turning back in Boston. It's like 30 degrees now all the time. It's going to be cold. Got a bundle up there. But I walk around. I see people. Okay. I'm on the duck boats. I see people. I yell at people that I know from the sidewalk on the sidewalk and and they'll yell back at me, they'll wave, or in Sean Grandy's case, he just keeps running along. I see we live we got we must live near each other or something. I see these people and maybe they're stalking me. Okay. This is an interesting that, no, never. This is an interesting thing to me though, because I have zero uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't see celebrities when i'm walking around like i spent a decent amount of time in la and i'm sure that i pass by them the only celebrity that i can ever think of that i like recognize that i saw in la was one time i was eating at the cheesecake factory and leah remini was at the other table and the only reason why i figured out that leah remini was there was because we ate an entire meal at tables next to each other so eventually somebody was going to say that's Leah Remini. But other than mm-hmm. that I just don't I don't recognize uh people when I'm when I'm walking around or uh when I know. walk I look at people's faces people will look at me to, and give me the what the fuck are you looking at face you know cuz <laughs> I'm looking at them but I'm looking at them to see is this someone I know personally not just like uh whatever cuz I always love bumping into people. <laughs> I love bumping into people. I do it all the time and I'll come up, if, especially if they don't see me, I'll come up behind them and act like I'm mugging them. And <laughs> then they, that's really, f- I'm going to get shot someday because oh, I do that. And then I don't think you've got the right response though. You're like, why the fuck are you looking at me? It's not what's going there through their head. They're like, why is this big galoof waterhead staring at me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they look at me like, why are you looking at me? And I'm like, I'm looking at you because I don't know. I'm just looking at you because I'm trying to get uh, a face recognition in my brain. Do I know you? Do I not know you? <laughs> the other day I was walking around and I can tell this story because he um, is deaf, but I grew up in Northampton, Massachusetts, where Clark School for the Deaf is. So I grew up with a lot of uh, of kids who are what? who are deaf and know them. Yeah. Clark School for the Deaf. It's one of the most prestigious uh huh? hearing impaired schools yeah in what? the country 
People move to Northampton, Massachusetts when their kids are deaf to have their kids go to Clark School for the deaf. Huh? And it's where they learn how to do like sign language and stuff. Are you doing a deaf joke right now, Jeff? <laughs> that's not, that's not, that's, I, I would not. The views expressed by Florida Jeff Taylor <laughs> do not necessarily reflect those of Michael. Yeah, it is much more Brian difficult Trump. to get canceled down here. But once again, Michael, neither of us are cancelable because we're nobody. Nobody cares about us. But anyway, so I saw, um, um, one of the their twins and and i don't want to say their names but uh and i saw one of them even though everyone in northampton know who they are and i tapped him on the shoulder and i was just like hi and he had no idea who i was his wife was there doing sign language and she was like oh then we looked it up on facebook we're facebook friends and then he's like oh i know you and i'm just like <laughs> yeah i know because we fucking grew up together you know me I, in the but he lives like a block away from me and i see him all the time and i wanted to go up to him but I don't know. I just never. I, and then I finally did. To make yourself feel better, just, uh, you know, just go, hey, what's your name? You won't tell me his name. So, hey, what's your name? Every time you see yep. him and uh, he'll never know. He'll yeah. continue to go on in the, re- the existence he, he's he used told to. Me to continue to continue uh, saying hi to him when I see him and his daughter and his wife on the street. And I will. And then he wanted to go. Let me ask you this question. The Is the Patriots wife also? I, like, no. uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah, but not she, as much. Oh, so she she, she, she kind of so she's like David, you, David, the guy we worked oh, at at 1080. Oh, the blind who guy. was blind, but he could somewhat he could see. see, somewhat see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was legally blind, but uh, he was not legally, a, it's like my dad. My dad is now legally blind, yeah, and but he can still see, but he can't drive. So that's that's the key. No yeah. driving for Ken O'Brien anymore. He's, speaking of he's blind, but he can see. Speaking but of driving, sun- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Go ahead, go oh, ahead. Oh no, but it's Sunday, so yep. it's it's sit around and watch football day in my lady friend before i was like all right, i have to go pump this out and then we're gonna go watch football and i just want to sit around and watch football because i'm kind of getting after it last night i went out to go meet up with dan bolger after he was doing a show at the wilbur and opening up for some guy and um then we're dan gonna go bolger let, before you say that he's gotten a uh, pretty He's got more famous dan lately Bo- huh um, the joe rogan show yes dan bolger was on the joe rogan show no, 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 no. Oh, oh. From the government. He's been on the Joe Rogan show by, by name only with who's the crazy. So they had uh, Mark Shane Norman. Gillis, Mark Norman. It's Protect Our Parks. It's Shane Gillis, yeah. Mark Norman, and uh, Ari Shafir. And, and they so were they looking at pictures picture. of uh, Kanye the Kanye Milo's, meeting. It? It's, it's with Milo's, was right? the What's meeting with Kanye West, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Nick Fuentes. And so someone, someone goes... Who's that skinny twink next to Kanye that looks like Dan Bolger? And then no, Shane that's Gillis not at all started, what it, how it went, yeah. dude. You're telling the worst call story. Him a, call him a twink. They pulled call up the twink. picture and goes, who's that? Mark Norman said, who's that little twink on the right? Is that Dan Bolger? Bolger, yeah. <laughs> and then Gillis laughs and says, yeah, that is Dan Bolger. And everyone started laughing and then no one said anything about who Dan Bolger was. <laughs> <laughs> like the millions of people other than like a thousand people it i perked right up because like, i don't I consider dan bulger a guy that i necessarily know that well other than the fact that he's been on the show a couple of times i've seen him over the zoom but i was excited my they accidentally said one of my other friends uh names on that show once and i called him and said hey you were just on the joe rogan show like if his name was dave smith or something easy like that i who actually has been on the joe rogan show 
then it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But my buddy's name is Steve Kirsch, and they were trying to remember some metaphysicist or something. And he was like, is it Steve Kirsch? And they're like, no, it's Steve Kreshen. And I, they were like, okay. But I was like, oh my God, Steve Kirsch just got mentioned on the so Joe Rogan that show. Just random. Like, yeah. he's just, a, just they, had, they actually met the Dan Bulger. So I was just yeah. lit up. I was excited. I'm Dan like, said, Dan said, I was with him last night. He said, is the most I've gotten texted about anything I've ever done in my whole comedy career was someone calling me a twink on a on a on a podcast the biggest podcast on the yeah. face of the planet yeah but he's been mentioned a couple times some whenever a boston comic comes on they'll mention him somehow yeah. um but so i went out to go with him to watch the warriors game and then dan has the diabetes lost his diabetes pen so then we couldn't be out so then we had to go back to his place <laughs> you call you're making fun of me for being a florida redneck where you just went and said he lost his diabetes pen you mean his yeah he pen? lost his diabetes no it's pen. not He's his epi pen it's uh it's his epi pen he called it an epi pen yeah Whatever. okay good and so then we had to go back to his his place which is just uh, quite the uh palace in south boston and we're watching the warriors I like game. his place You've never been to his place. I've been inside <laughs> oh, his place multiple yeah. times. You basically trust me by him <laughs> doing the entire thing. thing. You've seen his entire place. Well, he only has um, one chair. Yeah, he has one chair and he has a love seat that he doesn't sit on and he'll just stand and watch the Celtics as I sit on the love seat. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um, and, and I was just out to like two in the morning. So I was like, I just want to sit around and and uh, I just want to sit around and watch football at the house. And then my lady friend is like, no, we're going to the 99 and drinking. I was like, oh, I mean, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You guys that. are a great match. Nothing could possibly go wrong there. I know. Right. <laughs> we love going to the 99 in Charlestown. It's most famous thing is that it was in the 90s. There was a mob hit there. And, and these people sitting in a booth all got killed. The booth is still there, too. People come in and take pictures in it. Apparently, you've you've discussed that before. That's pretty cool. It, uh, yeah, it's in Charlestown. It's there's no Charlestown. surprise that anything's right gone wrong the, there. Right by Bunker Hill. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Um, so it's now it's cold. I'm not really doing anything. I don't have as much money, so I can't go to sporting events like I used to. Um, and also the Celtics and Bruins are good and tickets are like a hundred dollars just to get in the door now. So that really sucks. So now I'm stuck sitting at home watching Netflix Christmas specials with my uh, lady friend. And uh, we watched the Lindsay Lohan one, which I meant to, I meant to pull up the name of it and oh boy, it was such like people either know the, the name of it or they don't care. You it was the Lindsay, the Lindsay Lohan Christmas. I'm going to say Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie. I'm Googling it. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie. It was called Falling for Christmas. Now, Lindsay Lohan, it is just such like a cut and paste Christmas thing where she's a rich. It's basically like she's like Paris Hilton. Her dad owns a huge ski resort and hotels. Yeah, I've seen this and before, she, just not with her she, in it. Yeah, and she comes in with her, her boyfriend, uh, who's a inner Instagram star and he's taking pictures and everything. And then when he goes to propose to her at the top of a mountain where they shouldn't have gone, because it all says, do not go past this area and da da da. They end up falling down this mountain where they would have died 17 times by the time because of the fall. And Lindsay hits her head. And then the nice guy who owns the small little ski resort, who's just trying to get funding for it, finds her and she, she, of course, uh, ends up getting amnesia and doesn't know her name and doesn't know anything and ends up living with the guy for two days. And then they end up falling in love and she changes her life. And then the dad, her rich dad, make a ends up, I was going to make a joke that she went from falling on Christmas to falling for Christmas. And literally the for. plot of this movie is she fell. 
She fell. That's not this whole. That's the. That's the best part. Falling for. Christmas I wish I would have made fell. the joke before. I, I let you keep going because yeah. you always complain that people interrupt your stories. But I, my hey. joke got lost. And so, and so, yeah. And so, it's just like such a. It's. I just picture that when they're, when they are pitching these, are they just like? Do they just go through their lifetime scripts and like, hey, let's do this again, except updated a little bit, you know? And then they just like, oh, no. the guys, he's he's an Instagram star now instead no, of a, what uh, we're learning is what we've learned. Something. What we're learning is what we are, what we what we are learning in big Hollywood now is that when you get rid of all of the white male creatives, mm-hmm. then what you're left with is a bunch of women making movies. And they don't don't make movies. They just make stuff that was already made before. It's been happening on the Hallmark Channel forever, but now we're seeing it in real Hollywood. It's like, oh, you got rid of all of the creative people, and now we're just making Scooby-Doo movies again? (laughs) Well, I mean, everything's a Marvel movie now, and every Marvel movie is the exact same. But my favorite thing about this is what you're talking about now is how... Wait, hey, did I say that on the air? I want to take all that back. I didn't mean that at all. Women make great movies. They do make great movies. I know everything is great. They're fantastic. Mm -hmm. I agree. They're wonderful. Best Um, comedians too. They are. They are. They're very. I know lots of funny, great, uh, talented, definitely comedians. Um, So then, um, the uh, oh, the movie. So the movie is based. Do you think if Dave Chappelle transed that he would be funny still? I don't know. I don't know. So then, anyways, uh, so the movie's based in the small Utah ski town of, you know, those small ski towns of population like 500 in the, in the summer and like 3000 in the winter. And um, my favorite new thing, which I'm not the one getting up in arms about the, the tide commercial. And it's like a mixed race couple with like a girl, white girl with red hair and the grandmother's uh, Asian and the mom is black and the, the dad is white and they get everything represented. But this is based on a small, Small Utah town with the most multicultural, diverse population of people that live there ever. Where I'm just like, there are seven multicultural people in all of Utah and they play on the jazz. Like, I don't <laughs> understand how this many. Like, that's a thing. I, I don't care. It's Whatever. really weird. I haven't noticed when any commercials like, like in, that. We're in Utah. We're yeah. in Utah in a small little Utah town and everyone is of of a different race it's just like literally they just had a checkbox of like all right we haven't had this race or gender yet we haven't had this race or gender yet and they're just checking it off and they just will come up and say like one weird line and then walk away and you're I, like, oh, i've never yeah. i've never really noticed any of this stuff or screamed at my are you TV kidding about me? it yes you haven't i have uh, you of course you've noticed it Jeez, i, I yeah. yell at my tv okay. constantly like why I what? still I turned into whole, Sam Kennison. I'm like, I still, I'm I watching still the commercial. Hold on, I turned into Sam Kennison where I'm like, oh look, the new Chevy Traverse. Oh, it's a family. Oh look, the dad, he's Hispanic, and the mom's African American. Why is the child Asian? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there was one. I forgot oh, what it was. Like, it was cast and it was like yeah it was like the mom was hispanic the dad was black and the the daughter was a white girl with red hair <laughs> it doesn't make any sense dude <laughs> i will say this though you said the daughter has red hair uh i don't know if we talked about this or not but my uh my friend with red hair i must say it that particular way was trying to convince us that uh the word ginger is the same as the n-word 
Yeah, everyone has their N-words. So, Every, everyone so, has their N-words. So redheads are really going for it these days, I hear. If that's what they want to have as their N-word, that's their N-word. That's All right. Okay. Fine. Whatever. Cool. Yeah, All right. That's they can make any word any word they want. That is not the response so. that he was getting in the hotel room when we were having this conversation. <laughs> but if that's Everyone what we're going to do here, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> and so yeah, watch that. It's like one of those just great bad movies. Lindsay Lohan follows I'll probably see it because it. my wife watches Should. the Hallmark Christmas movies. It'll be on. I won't necessarily it's on Netflix, pay attention. It's not Hallmark. But I'm going to it doesn't matter. If it's I, those are called Hallmark, Hallmark movies regardless. I'll get sucked mm. in. And nine times out of ten, I'll be wanting to find out how it ends, and she'll be off working on something else in another room by the end of it. That's exactly what happens. You start watching it and how dumb it is, and seeing all the plot holes. And at the end, you're like, "No, I want to see. I want to know what happens from this to this." Give me a break, man. Cut me some slack here. I just need to know what happens. The other awful thing I had to watch, which I am, I am a royal watcher, and I, I. I love the Royals now, especially since I was on the local news talking oh, about meeting them and taking them out for drinks. Is on Netflix they have the Harry and Meghan documentary. Yeah, Prince it's going Harry over like a Meghan lead Markle. balloon. This one, it, it's it wasn't. I, it was just like I don't know. You know, the it's the first half of it was just them, and then oh wow, the press is all over us and won't let us live. I'm like, yeah, that's got to suck. That does have to suck. And they made a choice, and they like, hey, we don't want to part of, be a part of that. Well, hey, listen, uh, Harry, I would has a, Harry has a complaint there. Megan found herself a prince. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't a Hallmark movie. He wasn't at a hotel yeah. in, in New York and, and like yeah. wearing regular clothes and trying to find the love of his life and acting as though he wasn't a prince. It wasn't yeah. the plot of uh, what's the Eddie Murphy movie? Coming to America. Coming to America. It wasn't that. Mm. She knew exactly what she was doing. To be perfectly honest with you, they're they're saying they're not in the royal family anymore, but I'll tell you this much. They are the king and queen of bitching about stuff constantly. I just want them to shut up. Netflix is the Netflix does a lot of stupid stuff. Giving them a platform was one of the stupidest. The thing that drove me nuts about it the most is not them complaining about. I mean, I, if I were them, I would be complaining about people just constantly and running my mom off the road. And that that's all. That's awful. Nor would I ever want to be a part of that. But it's kind of what you signed up for. But they are unsigning up for it. And hopefully it ends if that's what they really it's not going to end but because the minute that they're end. not the minute that they're not anymore, the minute that they the problem is they got all of the they don't want the bad they want all the good like they want to be able to have a netflix special for no reason at all whatsoever because they want to be able to fly around the world and help people and stuff like that that's all great but yeah well i mean good on them but uh the the funny thing to me though is that harry complains about everything and uh his family's always like Oh, it really hurt that he said that. I didn't. I really didn't feel like that was ever the case. It, it really hurt our feelings. Like it really hurt Queen Elizabeth's feelings that he said that. And then Megan's family's like, "She's full of shit, man." <laughs> None <laughs> of that is true. But it goes into her family how it's just like white trash family, buddy. All like, and have yeah. you read the read the responses from them? They're like, uh white call white trash uh, he's like i live in a like 450 million dollar home in west texas yeah but they were taking i mean this is of course from harry and megan but they were taking money from all the the um 
all the uh, dirt rag sheets there and like basically making up stories. Like one of the sisters is. Are they making is, up stories or are they real? The, I mean, I'm starting sisters, to believe her family. Seen, they haven't seen her in 20. They haven't seen each other in like 20 years. And she was saying all this stuff. about According to Megan. According I think the sister but came then, out and said, I talked to her until she married the prince. Really? I don't yeah. know. I mean, who knows who to believe? I I'm know. on the know, side of anybody the, but them. The sister, the sister was, see, I'm where my, my girlfriend is such pro royal family. I'm getting brainwashed now. The sister, Megan's sister was uh, estranged from the family. She didn't even raise her kids. The grandparents raised, raised her kids. And I don't know, something's up with that. And the, well, you the can't be pro royal family like, and pro Harry and Megan. You can you no, can't I, be pro Megan for I sure if you're pro royal family. Right now I'm not pro Harry and Megan though because during this thing, this this documentary, I almost like got up and left because right away Megan's talking about Harry and she goes, "When I first met H," and I was just like, "Wait, what?" I look at my lady friends. What did what did she just call him? She called him H, and he calls her M, and I'm just like, "No, no." If if anyone ever in my life just called me M, I would be like, what? Some people call me Mike OB or MPOB, and I, I don't like that either because it's just I hate initials. <laughs> Some but people if call someone you just called me M, I'd be like, don't ever effing call me that again. And they do it through the whole thing for three hours. H and M, like it's a, the bad uh, clothing store. They're just, ta- oh, I hate it. It drives me off the wall. So anyway, that's, that's the list on that yeah. documentary about the rules. Don't watch it. Save yourself from it. We've we've given you the heads up that you'll be better off without it. It's I, really bad, uh, but I'm going to watch the second part of it. So you're an idiot. I uh, spent uh, the last couple of days with my wife's dance studio. My my five year old is involved now, so I. It's not like I these shows the dancing, dancing, dancing. She's a dancing, She's a dancing machine. machine. But uh, we had Friday. I, I I just I'm bad at calendars. I don't read the calendar right. I don't pay attention. So Friday we had to go set up for a little show that they had, and that ended up kind of being surprisingly good because they only did two numbers. It was like 15 minutes, and it was over. What was the songs? I don't remember, dude. Actually, I can probably. Oh, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas was one of oh, them. Oh, that's a good one. And Solid. the other one was it's. It's Christmas music. I'm yeah. uh I'm it's always all, so I don't notice the difference between the songs but uh So anyway, that went over pretty good cuz I was like awesome. And uh then yesterday I'm laying on the couch. I just gotten done power washing my porch. Fuck and yeah. uh I'm chilling and I turn to my wife and I said, "Hey, what time do we have to go and do this thing?" And she's like 11:45 and I look at my my watch and it's like 11. And I'm immediately like, I'm never going to get anything done in this house. I'm, I'm, I can't believe this. We have to leave at 1145. When's it over? And she's like, around five. Oh. oh, this has now turned into my entire day. So you have to go there. Not only watch your kid do a crappy dance routine, but you have to watch multiple other people's kids do crappy dance routines. And you have to sit there and watch it like All it's entertaining. Them. All of you not, just sit there buddy, it's not like I have to watch that. Well, I don't have to. It's not that I have to watch it. We showed up there yesterday. We had to move every chair off the stage. There's plastic chairs. And when I say every one, I'm not saying there were like nine. There yeah. were 250. 
<laughs> chairs. So we have to move all of the chairs off. We have to set up the backdrop. I have to set up the audio system. We have to put down Marley flooring, which is this special dance flooring that you put down. It weighs a million pounds. I got to carry it around. I got to put it down there. I got to do all this. Got to tape it up. It's a lot of work. It when we first got there, I was saying, man, it's a really nice day today. It's not going to be bad working out here in the the scorching heat, at least. And then ten minutes later, the sun came out and there was scorching heat, and uh, so like worked my ass off. And then you're right, I sat down next to my buddy Charles, who was there to watch his granddaughter. We were sitting front and center because my wife set us up some nice chairs right out in the front. And uh, I sit down oh, next good. to Front Charles. Seats for this. Yeah, so we're we're sitting down and we're watching the show, and like three numbers are over. My kid's already been in one. His granddaughter's already been in one. And I turn to him and I'm like, Charles, you know that this show is going to be longer than Schindler's List, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, What are you talking about? And I said, Buddy, it's two and a half hours long. And uh, he's like, What? Do you, what? And I was like, Yeah, guess what? I looked at the list. Your granddaughter is in the first number and the last number. <laughs> oh, yeah. luckily, so do you, would you, would you do reverse Michael Bryan in that situation when your kid is you, you're in the front row for when your kid does it, and then you go you do reverse Michael Bryan and go to the poor people seats to be as far away as possible. I so did that a couple times. Like I got up and yeah. walked around a little bit. Uh, got it. Got it. Yeah, my mom and my cousin and my my stepdad and my cousin's wife were all there. So we we had some talk and I had a good time talking to Charles always do. Charles is the gentleman who got me the jasmine for my back porch. Oh, well, yeah, thank for my God birthday. for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, the, the birthday, the birthday right. present that ended up costing me $100. $100. To, yeah, <laughs> that's nice. He seems like a nice chap. He's a great guy. See, look at me. I'm watching British documentaries and I called him a chap. Yeah. You're a poser and an idiot. <laughs> I hate the British so much. So anyway, we got done yesterday and then we had uh, dinner at my favorite uh, restaurant here in town, Columbia, which is a Cuban oh, restaurant. Oh, I thought it was Chili's. I thought it was Chili's. No, 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 no. I We have oh. good restaurants here in town. We do have I know. You have Chili's. You have Uno's. We don't have, have a Chili's. We don't have an Uno's. Oh, right. There's a Chili's somewhere. There's not one. Fridays. There's, there's huh. a, the, for the, all of that is far away. We have an Applebee's. Okay. Period. I'm telling and you, and that's out on live. the on 192, which is if you're familiar with with uh, Orlando, 192 is the kitschy like Disney row. They've got like mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. Merlin Hat Guy store, yep. and like the, you, they sell all the tchotchkes. That's there. Tchotchkes. We have good restaurants in here. Our new Italian restaurant just opened up, and I had spaghetti and meatballs, and it was fantastic. But anyway. So we went and had dinner at Columbia. I had the sandwich and salad. And then uh, my cousin and his wife wanted to go see like the little Christmas setup. So my wife had to go back and make sure everything was locked up at the little uh, event place where we did the show. And uh, she calls me and she said, hey, uh, I said I would come pick you up, but it got dark and I can't come over there because I don't feel comfortable driving the car with no headlights. No headlights on the car. Yeah, both of our headlights went out. <laughs> Not one, both of them. So I drive. I drove home last night in the pitch dark, wondering if I was going to get pulled over by the police because my headlights don't work. How long of a, a drive was that? Uh, 15 minutes, 10 15, uh, with traffic. We, we have Christmas yeah. traffic in my neighborhood, so it's usually a five-minute drive, but it turns into 15 when you got to get around all the traffic. So. Yeah. 
uh, people flashing their brights at me to turn on my lights the whole time. <laughs> like, what if I so could, what, bro? It, was it a fuse thing or was it? Uh, no, no, no. Both, had lights, both lamps went bad. Oh, geez. at the exact what same that? time that's like a hundred bucks per lamp right? yeah i i my cheap. the the truth of the matter is that one of them has been out for a little bit like i knew that it was out and the other one finally so went you out don't care about safety i understand now one headlights enough just ask uh what's his bob dylan's kid bob dylan's kid yeah one headlight <laughs> yeah which then bruce springsteen then did on uh, an award show or Saturday Night Live and just completely destroyed it. It was awesome. Um, you Now, you're mentioning Christmas traffic at Celebration. This is one of my favorite things ever. When I was a young whippersnapper at the beginning of Celebration, uh, I was at Disney World. I don't know how old I was. When when did Celebration Florida... 1997. Uh, 97. So it was like, it was right around there. You were 32. Maybe, no, I would have been like 17-ish. Something All right, like there that. you go. You weren't a so child. So it was right around then. I would say 2000, maybe. We go to downtown celebration because we hear about this great christmas thing in their snow and that yeah. they, they have snow they've not and changed it one bit it was there last night the <laughs> their snow in celebration florida isn't like they get a snow machine and actually you know no that would be ridiculous it, would be, it, it was 80 degrees last night it would have been melted before but, it hit the ground so what instead they throw is just they just have a rave foam party where yes. they just throw soap suds in the street of celebration. It comes out of the light post. It's just these and it's just like it, it kind of blows out a little bit for the most part. It just drips down. It's, the they've gotten better at blowing it out. So it actually blows out a little bit better, but it's just as ridiculous. And then you have these kids rolling in soap suds like they're in the dirty street. <laughs> in dude, the dirty it's street. crazy. Like they're a 19 year old on Molly at a rave. And they're just rolling <laughs> around like this is so nice. Oh, I'm in the snow. It and still happens, bro. Just, still to this day. Covered in in dirt and soap suds and it's just like the who the heck thinks this is a fun idea well the funny thing is is that that isn't the major draw in the neighborhood there is the lights of jeter bend which is a street it's it's like a street that's like the short city block length it's probably got uh eight or nine houses on each side of it and this whole uh they've all collaborated together to do christmas lights that do all kinds of fun stuff like move around and blink to the music and they've got a they've got a soap machine as well over there um so more people come to see the lights at cheater ben than they do the downtown stuff and it is in the absolute back of the neighborhood so to yeah. get to it, you have to come in the entrance and you have to go through downtown and then pass downtown to the absolute back of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so there is like back to back car to car traffic through the entire neighborhood from the time the sun goes down until about 11 o'clock at night. Now, I yesterday was downtown celebration. And if I didn't know my way around, would have had to sit in bumper to bumper all the way to because we're almost to the back too. like we 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 turned left two streets before Jeter Bend to come home. So but I know how to like get around and go. My wife actually showed me a new way that's even better to get home when there's traffic downtown. But uh, I skipped all the traffic and and uh, got home last night with no headlights. Uh, that was one of my jobs that I was supposed to do. But but Mike said, hey, he sent me a, a message like an hour and a half ago. Like, hey, let's wrap this up today. I'll be ready in about an hour. And then he called me and 
I woke up like five minutes later and saw that I missed a call from him. You may have woken me up and uh, I was well, asleep. Was 11. You sh- I know you shouldn't be. So you're, you're 60. You're I 69 you, years old. You I, shouldn't be sleeping I was out in the sun all day yesterday. I went to sleep last night. My, my, my daughter wanted to sleep on the couch last night, but she won't sleep down here alone. So I just sleep on the couch too. And uh, so that means I probably didn't get a great night's sleep because my, my daughter is like a freaking exorcist child when she sleeps. She flips around and does all kinds of crazy moves. It's insane to watch because last night... I was up. She went. She fell asleep at like nine. I was up until midnight. So I'm watching her like spinning around in the uh, like chair. And mm. uh, so anyway, I'm sure I didn't get a great night's sleep. So I woke up this morning. My wife made me a cup of coffee, decaf, Sons by the way. Bitches. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go lay down for a little bit. Went up to to my room, and I had the windows open, so there was a nice like 55 degree breeze uh, blowing in. Because we're at that time in Orlando where it's 55 at night and 85 during the day. The oh, sun just perfect. comes in and you're in San not. Diego right now. No, no, no. It never gets 85 in San Diego. Yeah, right. 75 yeah. is perfect. Oh, 75 me. and 55. Sorry. Let me correct you, sir. The nice Diogens. But anyway. So we got, no, got up and fun. we did the show. Yeah. And here we are today and we're basically uh, wrapping it up because we have a great uh, interview with with Mr. Sean Grandy, the play-by-play radio host for the Boston Celtics, and now uh, fill-in TV. We talk about that a little bit. And uh, breaking news also coming up about Monday night's pra- uh, uh, broadcast involving uh, Cedric hey, before, Maxwell. Yeah, we are breaking news. Big-time breaking news. Let me, let me back you up for just a second. You'll get a kick out of this. I just remembered it. My mother, I talked to her the other day, and uh, I was like, what you doing? She said, I'm, I'm sitting in my car. I was like, what are you doing that for? She's like, I just got my eyes dilated, and I got to go home. And I said, aren't you supposed to have someone else drive you home after you've had your eyes dilated? And she was like, well, they yeah. let me leave. And I was like, mom, you're not supposed to drive after you've had your eyes dilated. She was like, well, I've had it done a lot. She's like, like the first time I had it done, I definitely wouldn't have driven home. And she's like, but I've gotten pretty used to it now. I think I'll be fine. I was like, I remember having that same exact conversation with myself the first time I was hammered and I walked out. I was like, I definitely can't drive home. But then the next time I was like, I think I can do it. And I drove home. And then by the end of it, the third time you're driving home like the Joker and Batman (laughs) returns with your head out the window. Like, My mother so drove easy. home after having her eyes dilated. I've That's never had it done. But from what I've heard, it's absolutely insane that she does it. it. It is. I got my eyes dilated once and I had to walk to the subway afterwards and I was like walking into things. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's crazy. But anyways, um, as, as uh, I was saying, yes, we do have Sean Grandy coming to play-by-play of the uh, Boston Celtics. A great interview. So stick around for that. He is up next. Welcome back to the Mike O'Brien show. We have a very special guest today. Uh, one of my personal favorites being a Boston Celtics fan. We have the play-by-play man, radio and now TV from time to time. Mr. Sean Grandy. He's been the voice of Celtics for what now? 20 years, is it, Sean? 22, believe it or not. 22 years. So you've seen it all. Was that, I always, the, the Rick Patino years always, it screws me up when it was. Did you, was that, that was the 90, that was... No, I well, here's I I can start with a with an odd story about how life takes funny turns. In 1997, when the Celtics were 
desperately tanking to get Tim Duncan under ML Carr. And ML was brilliant at that, by the way. Go back and watch some of those. Oh, yeah. It, it was amazing what he was doing. Every time there was a chance to win a game, he made sure it didn't happen. Like he did his part and beyond. And I, I, pro- I don't know, even if I've ever told this story publicly, but in January of 1997, I was told by the powers that be at the, at the radio station, the radio company then, that I was going to take over the Celtics next year. And I was like 25, 26 years old, and I was all excited about it. And I couldn't tell anybody, which really sucked because Spencer Ross was doing the job and he's a really good guy. And, you know, you're 26. What are you supposed to do when they tell you your dream job is coming true? Flash forward to May. Celtics finish line. They don't get there. They finish. Rick Pitino shows up. And all of a sudden, it's a brand new deal. Remember, that was going to be the thing that brought the Celtics back to prominence was the the arrival of Rick Pitino and the coronation they had for him and he and bad luck and the Bobby Brady Tiki Torch or Peter Brady Tiki Torch moment of all time. He takes Red Auerbach's title. Yeah. If it wasn't, cur- you know, that that just cursed it from the beginning. Anyway, suddenly the Celtics were a prominent franchise. And I was told uh, suddenly a uh, 25-year-old, 26-year-old kid making his debut, whatever, isn't they wanted somebody more prominent who had been there before. So suddenly the rug gets pulled out from under me. And so I did one more year at EEI, not as a very unhappy 25-year-old, mm. um, when they brought in Howard David. And I took the next – you know, I knew I was leaving whatever job came up. And the next summer it was the Nashville Predators TV job or the Minnesota Timberwolves TV job. And so I went to Minnesota. I was in Minnesota for three of the four Latino years. So oh. I, I went into the NBA in 98, but I did my first three years with the Timberwolves and then came to Boston after Patino left. It's funny those Patino years cuz I I just I was thinking today of bad Celtics teams cuz they've either been just horrible or they've been in some of those I mean you just think of some of the names from those Patino teams or even right before the Garnett trade and you're just like you look at the roster and yeah. it's literally like looking back through a photo album and being like oh I remember that guy you know it's amazing some of the the names that have gone through the Celtics about a year ago I tweeted out a list of players, and this would have been the 2000, sort of the pre, pre-KG, the 2005, 2000, a whole list of names. And it was like, believe it or not, these were all Celtics. Carlos, oh, Carlos Arroyo, Joel Anthony. Got, you would never – and I'm like, I did all of these games. And I was like, jo- I don't remember Joel Anthony. I don't remember Joel Anthony at all. I, do, I, I literally did not remember it. First year, Brad, too. Like, that, that, you know, when the, the really – the cra- Patino time was crazy. The first two years of Brad, particularly that second year, were pretty insane. Like uh, Jameer Nelson and Tayshawn Prince. Oh, yeah, yeah. That ta- yeah. I remember Tayshawn yeah. Prince. Every, nobody remembers that until you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. They were here for a couple of weeks. That all happened in that crazy 2015. That second Brad year was insane with the role. That was when Austin Rivers was here briefly, never played, but was on the roster for Yeah, that's right. Years. So that the if you ever want to, like, test yourself, how hardcore a Celtic fan are you? Look at the second Brad Stevens year when before Isaiah got here in those couple of weeks before that. And it was absolutely crazy. That Isaiah year. And as I'm looking at the Utah jazz right now, when walking into this year, you're thinking the Utah jazz are going to be the worst team in the league. And then they, they get the Celtics head coach. They have Danny Ainge. They pull that Rudy Gobert trade off that if you try to do an NBA 2k, the computer would take over like a Chris yeah. Paul trade and say, there's no way Dave, you're doing this. Dave, trade. What are you doing, Dave? Why Dave, would you ever do that? Do that. He, 
he basically did the Kevin Garnett trade, but backwards is what he did. It's and almost the funny thing about you, the Utah thing, everyone can't figure it out. Utah's players here, Beasley, Conley, Markinen, Kelly, these are not young players. They're young good players. Young, crazy young teams are the ones that lose 60 games, like Orlando and Detroit and whatever. Utah's not a young team, it's a veteran team. They remind me of that Isaiah Thomas team that you're like, oh, they're going to be a top four pick, and then they're making the playoffs, and you're just like, how did that happen? But if you look at the rosters, they weren't young players. They weren't made to tank. They were made to – it's kind of the same thing as what's going on with the Utah Jazz right now. Yeah, that that team, that 2015 team had no business making the playoffs, and they kept – you go back and look this up. They kept losing – at Friday night, they would lose a home game. And you'd be like, that's it. There's no way they're going to make the playoffs now. And then they would go on the road on Saturday night and win. And it started this streak of like eight consecutive back-to-back road games that they won. And suddenly they made, you know, they just kept winning these ridiculous games and making the playoffs. And, uh, and Isaiah Thomas had a whole advertising campaign in South Station, which I still was just like, what the hell? <laughs> it's amazing. Like, I got a picture of my son who was, I think, four or five at the time. And I brought him down there and I have a picture of him in front of those posters right yeah that's so that's so crazy now one constant other than because the celtics haven't been constant they've been up they've been down they've been all over the place in your in your 22 years has been mr cedric maxwell now how we we came in contact uh was on twitter the other night during the suns game you posted a thing about wrestling and i love wrestling and we'll get into wrestling in a little bit but i mentioned something about how next time i see you running because i see you running all over boston i live in boston i see yeah, you I running do it, buddy. I say, well, geez, how come grandy's doing this and doing this so you don't run me over <laughs> one of those duck boats because i yeah, live near yeah. i live obviously in east cambridge near with near where the duck boats going to the water so i see the duck boats every day and all of a sudden i'm like I see yeah. you when I'm right, but I will see I will see Cedric Maxwell as well too, and I will yell at Cedric. Ma- I yell at as as I've become semi famous uh, for yelling at Steve Kerr from the side of the road. I will yell at Cedric Maxwell, and he will stop and look death daggers at me as I yell Cedric Maxwell at him. And, and you just have your headphones and you just keep going. You just keep on moving, trugging along there. But uh, yeah, I love Cedric Maxwell. I, uh, I I worked for 1510 The Zone as a fill-in producer. And Jeff and I, we worked in Orlando for 1080 and it had a similar situation where the uh, tower was facing the ocean. So, so no one could hear it. So they had the Celtics contract. They had all these big, I mean, Ryan Rossillo, John Anik are in that Sean McDonough. I, you, you know, know I hired those guys, right? It's a, were you the sport? Were you the, director? I was, I was brought back from Minnesota to do the Celtics, but also to help yeah. them build that station. So one of my proudest things was finding some people. Kevin Winter is on Kevin Winter? Kevin Winter, John Anik, Ryan Rossillo. These were all guys. And Ryan is, is someone who, you just knew – I knew he was going to be something. I knew he was going to be somebody. But what he is now and what he's become didn't exist in 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He I remember it. saying at the time, whatever he's going to do doesn't exist yet. But it – you know, same thing. Obviously, Bill Simmons is a good friend of mine. Bill, What Bill is and what Bill's become in his empire, that didn't exist. He had to go change the game. And yeah. You know, Ryan was the Ryan was the same way, just doing. So you were you were you you weren't a program director because I don't even remember who hired. Wasn't I mean I was kind of there to build the programming. Yeah, yeah. Almost like a consultant, build from scratch. Let's go with this young guy and this this person, this person, and try to compete, do the impossible, which was to compete with you know a powerhouse station that I had worked for for 
10 years, you know, before. Yeah. Uh, That's where I worked for a little bit before I went to 1510. Yeah. Um, but, um, but the first time Cedric Maxwell yells quack, 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 what do you even remember it or when it first happened? Well, and I know for those, I, for those of you who don't know, Cedric Maxwell will yell quack, quack, quack. And it was because when the Celtics were on 1510, he was saying the only people who are listening are the ducks. Yeah, essentially. Right. We had, if you know your geography, 1510 had this unbelievable booming signal to the east, which is great if you're in California. It's great if you're in Missouri. Great if you're in Illinois. Massachusetts, not so good because yeah. you just that's the wrong way. So, yeah. and you know, at night it would just go away. I mean, I remember when we finally went to EI four years later and they entered it. We come back in and we go on Glen Orway show and like, you know, one introduced and hey, Granny and Max are back. And I just started talking like this because that's how everybody was used to hearing it. <laughs> the last few years but we had a 1080 we didn't have we didn't have the rights to anything but the same thing we powered down at 4 30 you couldn't you'd be in downtown orlando and you couldn't hear you if you're driving towards daytona you could kind of hear it but yeah Yeah. it it was it was awful but uh yeah cedric maxwell is is he's only on radio now my friend's always upset that he he didn't do the 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 tv uh thing that you're doing because he loves cedric maxwell so much but Oh yeah, Monday. What's going uh, on Monday? Uh, I'm gonna break some news. Funny yes. you say those exact words. So Monday, there was somebody they they're into this players only thing on yep. NBC Boston. They're gonna do a few games that I get asked this question all the time now that they're doing it. So uh, let's not go too far down the inside baseball thing. NBC Boston could only get a certain number of dates on me this year, and so. Uh, they can have me for 20, 25 games, whatever the number works out to be. There's still games left. So yeah. have Mike do the games he can drive to, go do some players only to fill the gap. And this road trip was specifically put aside to not use any of my dates because there's some national TV games, obviously the Golden State and the Lakers. So the Clipper game was set to be a players only game. And let's just say that the player they had planned all along to do it bailed today as we're talking. It's Friday. And so, long story short, I've done a couple of games. Uh, hardcore Celtic fans may know that Abby has done a couple of games with me on radio. So we only have one play-by-play guy out here, and they want to do the players-only thing. So Monday night, Abby is going to slide back with me and Cedric Maxwell and Brian Scalabrini for the first time ever will do the telecast together and that is almost like the first time the mega powers got in the ring together very similar handshake you, if i said the name andy gresh do you know andy gresh? Oh, of course i know andy gresh. andy whenever andy and i see each other wherever we are that's yeah. what we, we just stop and we do the you know we look to the left and we look to the right. <laughs> if the mega powers explode on monday it will be even more entertaining than if they didn't uh, i'll tell you that right Mike. I, don't know how much, yeah. I don't know how much news you get to break on your show but now that is that is the first breaking news i'm very Max, excited Max on the michael Brown show monday night now uh jeff is in orlando and we're talking about players that have come and gone with the Celtics before we get into the Celtics and what they are today one thing I was watching I got the NBA the NBA package or whatever and before this I'm watching the first half of the Raptors magic game in bowl bowl 
is on hmm. the magic. He's averaging 13 and seven. When the Celtics traded for him last year, I was just like, oh my God, that is a genius trade. Hold on to that guy. And then in a week later, they just got rid of him because they couldn't pay his $500,000 salary or something. Like, why is Bull Bull not on the Celtics? Game? I think that's, Celtics. I mean, it's probably looking back. It's going to be, you know, in a week of, uh, uh, you know, it's not exactly Xander Bogarts, right? Like, not getting Xander locked up in April, but it might be something that gets looked back on as, oh, man, that was one that got away. Now, where Bobo, he looks great now because he's playing and he's healthy. He's never been healthy. Yeah, he had a broken foot that, like his entire that's life. Exactly. And that, when you look at a big, a young big, who's constantly been injured, it's a pretty bad history in the league of guys like that. that yeah. That don't last and don't, aren't. So, I mean, that was the gamble. You're, the, the smart money said Bobo is not going to be a healthy player. In the NBA. And again, impacting winning. Bobo's putting up big numbers. He's fun to watch. All those things are true, but they're also the worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league, too. So you want to, it's easy to look at the players like that. They're putting up numbers on teams that are losing, particularly. And you're watching the league pass, you're watching the games. And I'm not knocking Bobo. I'm just saying sometimes you look yeah. at numbers and not, you know, if you looked at Derek White's numbers right now, you say, oh, it's a pretty good NBA, you know, it's pretty average NBA player, whatever. Derek White impacts winning. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Bobo will be the kind of player that could eventually, if he stays healthy, sure he could. But he hasn't yet. Now, when did you – okay, so last year, obviously, the Celtics were were a cluster the first half of the year. And I would go to their games. I live right down the street. Last second, I go to games. And I'd go for 20 bucks because no one was going. They were awful. And you go there and you just watch them play iso ball. Tatum brings the ball up. All right, he's bringing it to the hole. Or he's shooting a three. The next guy, Brown. And then it's smart. And they're literally taking rotations of who brings the ball up the court. And that's they're not running plays. They're not doing anything. And then I go to a game. I'm sitting up in the poor people's seats. And I look down and I'm like, are they running plays right now? Like they're running plays right now. And then they go on this win streak and they turn it around and they've never turned it off. Everyone keeps saying, when are they going to turn it off? I watch Celtics all the time. I love the Celtics. There's there's not a like I'm a Boston sports fan. You're always looking something to complain about. I can't complain about anything unless unless someone uh you know, unless Tatum blows his ankle out or something or Brown even if Tatum blows his ankle out, they could still win. Like it's it's amazing how good this team is. Well, you just complained about Bobo. You actually led with I Bobo before you I went did. how dominant I went with my Boston before I went into how good they are. I got to say where they screwed up. That's just how far you have to go. You're not the only one, by the way, but this is how far you have to go right now. When you have what is without question the best team in the league right now. There's no – the only thing you can say right now is it's only December. That's all you got. It's only December. And the fact that they were the best team in the NBA for the final half of last year too and obviously didn't end up winning. Now, there's a big difference there in that during the 10 weeks that the Celtics were the best team in the league last year, and they weren't just the best team. they were It wasn't even close. It's like now. It was not even close for the, those 10 weeks from mid-January to the end of March. What happened is that for those 10 weeks, the Celtics were far and away the best team. From the end of March on, they were really good, but they didn't. They weren't separate from the other top teams in the league, Golden State, Milwaukee. And what happened at the end of March is when Rob Williams got hurt. Go back to that game. That yeah, traces, yeah, yeah. traces to that game. Celtics yeah. were not a dominant team anymore after that. And this year they're dominating before Rob comes back, which is going to be. And he's going to probably play 20 minutes, not back to backs, all that stuff. He's going to do. I mean, Blake, and you look at Blake Griffin. He plays once a week for 20 minutes. 
if you talk to Blake, we need to do comedy shows with Blake. I need to get Blake's information. I need to put together comedy shows. We're we're making that happen. I want to do good. a comedy. Show. He'd be great. Oh, me and a couple other guys love love the Celtics. Would love to do it. We get up and I laugh Boston. It'd be it'd be amazing. But uh, it's funny how how this whole team is so good and everything that's going on. And when I've been trying to get a Celtics uh, person on, I've been wanting at the beginning. The number one thing I had to ask is this next question, which took. 20 minutes to get into the interview or whatever we're at right now is I broached bowl ball before this subject, which is amazing with just how, what winning just, just zaps your, you know, men in blacks, your, your mind there with the zapper is email Odoka. No one talks about that anymore. Yeah. It's just gone. It's just they're going into the going into the season. You're like, oh my god, they're going to be horrible now. Their mm -hmm. coach just got fired. No one still knows why he officially got fired. What actually happened? Then they just like two weeks in the season, they're like, oh, he's just gone. Never mind. It's just it doesn't matter. What what is the like? It, he's still officially the coach. What what is? I don't even know what the story is. Does, is anyone ever going to know the story? What what happened with this? The reason people are going to know the story is that there nothing ever stays secret forever. Very true. And Very true. What I did was, I mean, you can find this online. What I decided to do with Max was we're going to come on the first day and we're just going to do the whole thing. We're just going to address it. We're going to dive right into it. And it lives online. And that way people can hear it. That way we're not – because I did not want to go on the air like some other people and have the first game happen and go, and there's a timeout by the new coach, Joe Mazzula. And like, what? Like you can't – Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do it. And I think, but part of that, you know, the rant on my part, and there were a lot of different elements of it, is the fact that we somehow all felt entitled to the answers of what happened and whatever. And we're not, we're not entitled to know what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and the players are not, and, you know, as awkward as it is and has been, players aren't entitled to know there are legal issues here, there are privacy issues here, all the above. What I will say, and I hope, however the season plays out, that this does not get lost. Now, Joe is doing an amazing job, obviously. And I think one thing we forget is that maybe Joe was going to be a head coach. Maybe Joe was Eric Spolstra, and he was going to be a head coach in the NBA in a couple of years anyway. This is just the way it happened for him. And so that became you know, how he got the first big job. Maybe he would have been like, well, he was the runner-up to Will Hardy in Utah. What if you flip-flop that and Will is now coaching the Celtics and Joe is coaching the Jazz? That could have had, that's not as far-fetched a scenario as it sounds. That easily could have happened. But what I hope is people know whatever Joe is doing here, and he's doing obviously a very good job, and everybody's bought in, and everybody likes him, and all of the above, that I don't think the Celtics get here to where they are as a team without what Eme did last year. Oh, 100%. And I, I hope that, I mean, I was, I literally had this thought today if the Celtics win the championship, like, it's a, kind of one of these crazy sports radio questions, but I actually thought about it as a human question. If the Celtics win the championship this year, which, again, not the most craziest far-fetched scenario, does he may get a ring? Yeah, he's still I technically think, part of the team. I forget the technical part. I mean, just yeah. that's right. Yeah. And I, I, don't think, I don't think this happens without him. You know what I also think, though, it's pretty similar, is when the Warriors fired Mark Jackson, and mm -hmm. in the next year he's the color commentator for the team – 
that he would have, they would have still been there if he was there or not. Like as much as I love Steve Kerr and, and they're literally going up to him, shaking his hand and hugging him. Like he's a member of the team on national television. And it was one of the more heartbreaking things I think I've ever seen. But at the same time, it reminds me of the Emil Odoka situation. And first of all, like the Steve Kerr thing, first of all, remember Steve Kerr had the choice between the Warriors and the Knicks. Choosing the Warriors he made the greatest decision not in the history of coaching, but the greatest decision in the history of decisions yeah. by doing that, number one. Number two, as a comedian, you'll appreciate this tweet that always sticks in my mind. And I love Mark Jackson to death. And I was I'll, obviously I'll see him tomorrow. I haven't seen him in a while. I haven't seen him yet this year. But I just vividly remember a tweet when Mark Jackson was doing one of the ABC games, one of the Golden State games during the championship run or whatever. And it, the tweet was coming up next on ABC. Mark Jackson watches his kids spend quality time with their stepfather. <laughs> it was like, you know, just. Yeah. I mean, by the way, Scal was on that staff too. That yeah. was Scal and Darren Ehrman and whatever. And like Scal was way ahead of the curve. Like he knew he would he would talk to us about like Steph and Clay are going to be the best shooting combination in the history of the league. And it just takes a while sometimes for it to happen. But it, t- it takes. I think that's yeah. a that's a reasonable. It will be interesting. I think Mark maybe Mark has done one of our games this year. I'm not sure. I, f- I feel like I haven't seen him this year. So that's an interesting element when they're talking about Joe Mazzulla tomorrow. Mark's background and Mark's thought on that coming from the place that he's coming from and doing it, you know, at a Golden State game of all places. Yeah, that is pretty ridiculous. Now you're you're in San Francisco right now, uh, Warriors game tomorrow, but uh, a Friday night SmackDown is going on right now. You're a huge wrestling fan. I can't watch it, by the way. I was up with my son, who I'm largely back in it because my son, three years ago, t- turned eight and out of nowhere, out of nowhere, he just went all in. Oh, so, like, reliving it through hit, you know, and the, a lot of interesting things have happened because of that. But I was just telling him because I was going to flip it on, uh, and it's on the West Coast. You can't can't watch it until can't watch it until eight it's o'clock eight o'clock or whatever right i i don't i you're just start watching the you guys are living three hours that you're like doc brown like morning three hours <laughs> i was great. in la for new year's eve and one of my favorite tweets was i said please don't ruin the new year for me i'm on west coast time but um we but had, I would, here's a true story about those uh 2005 2004 celtics team a player who shall remain nameless asked us we were out here for new year's eve once and he said what time do people celebrate it out here <laughs> oh jeez oh that's I, I i can't say I'll, I'll say it afterwards but i have i have a, a story of a stupid basketball player <laughs> but it's it's one of my favorite things from 1510 the zone um but um so so you're a huge wrestling fan. Have anything favorite from 1510 the zone by the way. yeah it's it's my favorite thing i tell this story all the time but i can't tell it on the air but i just went to survivor series okay i went to survivor series have you brought your kid to an event yet or no um again everything the danger of someone like me is that if you use one word to answer when 10 when you can find 10 instead you're like it if you use one word instead you're just not doing your job yes so the beauty the poetry of my son becoming this monster fan was he becomes a fan during the pandemic so all of a sudden he's literally a hardcore fan during the performance center during the worst aspect of wrestling and i'm trying you can't even explain to him you show him some old things. I was actually when ESPN instead of Sunday Night Baseball started running old WrestleManias. That oh, is, really? That's the first thing he saw, and that brought him into it. Anyway, flash forward a year and a half, the fans are back. 
Um, I bring them on. We're going on a California baseball trip. We're out here, L.A., summer of 21. And he knows, you know, my wife has a fairly high profile job and he knows that sometimes she gets called away and has to go. And he knew the trip might get messed up. Now we're at the airport, LAX is August of 21. And I say, listen, I told you we might have to do something a little different. The trip's going to change. So we're not going, thought we were going to San Diego. I said, we're actually not going to go to San Diego. We have to go somewhere else first. And he goes, where are we going? And of course I reveal, I step aside to reveal Las Vegas behind me and then he's going to some you know taking him to SummerSlam. Oh so he loses you know, obviously it's one of those things you have on video. And it's like yeah, you know, when your teenage son hates you and whatever and I, you know, I hate you dad more than anything. I'm like, yeah, well here's what when you were nine, this is how you felt about it. So this is when I bought your love exactly, and you exactly. <laughs> so don't forget this moment. Hey so anyway, Jeff just had to sit through a dance recital. So yeah <laughs> Well, those are those are the best moments in the. That's that's everything. I watch my son yeah. playing hockey. I can watch him playing hockey when I'm out in California because he's. You know, uh, there's video now of. of oh, that's true. So anyway, the poetry of it, the the wrestling poetry of it. Is, I take him to SummerSlam in Las Vegas, and in the main event uh, is Roman Reigns defending the title against uh, Cena against John Cena, and my first event. And he's my son is nine. He's not. And my first event, my first live event, when I was his age, was Bob Backlund defending the championship against Roman Reigns' dad. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's I thought that was kind of a cool. That's awesome. Know. Do you know Bob Backlund comes to the Boston St. Patrick's Day Parade every year? I, I have heard that. I, I finally got, He was my childhood hero. I got to meet him at – it was a SummerSlam at the Meadowlands when his book was out, when he was – Pushing his he, book. He's nuts. He's legitimately nuts. Yeah. He works out. I mean, you think I'm like, I'm crazy old guy running around, like getting avoiding the duck boat, trying to get runs. He's, <laughs> he's in the 70s and he's in better shape than we'll ever it's be. Crazy. So if you had, okay, if you had a wrestling fan and you're obviously an NBA fan, you had the choice of sitting courtside for the NBA finals or ringside for WrestleMania and money wasn't a factor, what would you choose? I've sat courtside for the NBA finals. It, never been ringside for answer, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be. I mean, I've, I've sat courtside for Game Seven of the NBA Finals. I've, uh, the story I always tell about that is that uh, they come and hand out stat sheets at the end of every when there's a whistle, they go to commercial. They bring around stat sheets, and Doris Burke had gone to Doris and I were sitting during the entire Finals, kicking each other under the table like twelve year olds. Like, do you believe where we are? Yeah, we grew up watching the Celtics and Lakers in the Finals, and now we're sitting here courtside when. Steven Spielberg and Dustin Hoffman and Eddie, they're sitting behind us. Like they have worse <laughs> than we do. And we're sitting here. And I took her, I took the statue they'd hand to me. And when she went to do doc and I put two circles on it, really big circle, a really small circle. And I wrote, when she came back, I put it in front of her and the big circle said world. And the little circle said us because yeah. it's like, we're, it was, it's game seven. The whole world's watching and we're just sitting here right in the, it's, it's a, it's funny because I, when I, Jeff and I both covered the magic. Uh, well, you did it a little bit longer than I did. I only did it one year, but it was the last year press got to sit courtside. I sat right underneath the hoop. I heard everything and just saw everything, got to go in the locker room afterwards. It was the most surreal experience of my life sitting courtside for free. And I couldn't go to an NBA game for years after that because I was like, I'm not sitting in the 300. I'm not going back there. Like, I'm like, I'm not going back there. I can't go back there. And uh, now I still, so I sneak down for Survivor Series. I'm, I'm now sitting in my Survivor Series seat that I snuck down to the floor to get. 
But like I said, sitting that close and being able to touch, I, I literally got to touch. I, I'm now uh, Instagram famous. Me touching Butch coming out of the ring now is 850 <laughs> likes, Sean. I'm internet famous again for touching nice. a, a wrestler. You're piling up the uh, the internet likes. That's huge. Uh, I'm becoming Kardashian right before our eyes. Now, Jeff and I have talked about this before. We're just as we're wrapping this up, uh, covering the Orlando Magic. You're the, you're at the arena before. Do you ever see these shooting contests between players before sure. games? Back when I was literally, you, I would watch money exchange. Uh, Shamad Williams, when he played for the Orlando Magic, made more money hustling guys in three-point contests than he probably did his actual year playing for the Magic. The longtime travel coordinator for the Celtics, Johnny Joe Connor, middle-aged, why he's probably more than middle-aged now. He's older than me. Uh, you know, white guy, whatever, doesn't look athletic in any way. Now he's taking more money from NBA players over the year just because he can shoot. Really? And he just doesn't look like he can shoot. Yeah. And so the competition level, I mean, the, the real the point of stories like that is that it's hard to describe. People say, oh, you're around professional athletes. Why are they so different? Obviously, they've spent their whole lives becoming great at what they do. But they also have something ingrained in them. If you think you're a competitive person, they will a professional athlete will tear your throat out in tiddlywinks. Yeah, win a game, and that is the uh, you can't. It's hard to explain it, but everything is a competition. I have legendary stories that like you know we get off the bus, waiting for you know the elevators that that like Kevin Garnett would be gambling on the which elevator was going to come first, like taking bets in the you know it was everything is a competition goes on constantly in every it's- life. And then when they stop making the money, then you have Antoine Walker still pl- throwing down Antoine Walker money on blackjack just because he wants to win, but he's not making Antoine Walker money anymore. And then that—that's what sadly happens. But it's really—it's really cool how Antoine's become. He's taken what's happened to him and he's using it, you know, as a life lesson to help teach other kids and not make the same mistakes. You know, Antoine's spot—he just had too many people. Like a lot of these guys, you need to get the people who just glom onto you. Yeah, you just teach yourself. Well, I guess I have to pay for everything. I got to pay for this. I got to pay for that. You don't. Yep. Your money. You've you you get to decide what to do. It's not you know that's not your responsibility. And Antoine was just too nice a guy. I worked as a doorman, and he would hand a hundred dollars to everybody standing there. He held a, he handed a hundred dollar bill to someone that wasn't even working there. That's how it they happens. were just standing there. <laughs> how, by the way, that's yeah. how this stuff happens. Yeah, it's, it's real. It's real money because everybody thinks they've got another year or another two years or another big contract or whatever, and it you know, doesn't work all, out that way. All of a sudden, you're on the ba- Dallas Mavericks or you're wearing number 88 on the Celtics, and that's it. Now, what what I want to leave you with, you mentioned his name just now. You, you were with the Timberwolves. You were with the Celtics. You're sitting. This was still when you were close on the court side. You're not up in the corner as you are at the uh, the Garden now. What is your What is your favorite Kevin Garnett on the floor story where you heard him say something and you're just like, Oh my God, that is the funniest or most like insulting thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, the funny, I mean, again, with, with KG, the, there are obviously a million stories and we told a lot of them in the documentary, the Showtime documentary last year, whatever that was. <laughs> what I always think of, I think of more is being on the plane with him uh, and the, the energy level, forget the language, which obviously was not, you know, not safe for any <laughs> work, not safe, period. Just not yeah. safe. For work, home, family, not fit. No HR directors were on that plane. Not safe uh, <laughs> was the language. But his energy, the energy level and the passion with which he played the game, he brought to every aspect of life. 
I think I traveled with him for nine years. And I think I sort of remember the one time I saw him sleeping. Like, because that just didn't happen. It was just constant energy. You guys probably know the legendary story, the arm wrestling contest, the big baby that happened two feet from me. Um, you know, the, things like that happened all the time. But the funny part about the language was we would still at that time before the pandemic, you'd have sponsors sometimes traveling. Sponsors would come and sometimes even families and kids, whatever, and having to tell kids, <laughs> you have kids on the plane and you had, you're about to hear some things. Don't say this in school tomorrow. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to repeat some of the things you're about to about to hear. But there are no shortage of stories and competitive stories. The Charlie Villanueva story that happened right in front of me. You actually heard that. I I know exactly what he said to him. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Villanueva. I'm always convinced. I've been convinced from that night to this day that Charlie Villanueva got on a plane to the next city and talked himself into the idea that. KG had said that because he was sensitive about his own condition or whatever, that, that if you remember the story, you guys can Google it. Just Google Kevin Garnett, Charlie Villanueva. And Charlie said that he had called him a cancer patient. And that's not what he said. He called him a cancer. Yeah. So he, but he used some other words before that uh, to some modifiers. To, to put a, 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 a point on his. his uh, uh, yes. Yeah. You're a blankety blank, 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 blank. Like me and Dan Bolger were just talking about that story the other day, actually. When there's we're, the, obviously, we're a million miles from the court on the, the Carmelo Anthony. Honey, not Cheerios one. Cheerios one. But, <laughs> I was, but I did get to the bottom of the ramp at Madison Square Garden to get on the bus. And I was like, why is Carmelo Anthony standing outside? You saw we're, that? We're one of the first ones there. I'm like, yeah, there's Melo who's outside. On our bus. That was one of my standing by the ramp before the bus. I saw LeBron James once after a magic game grab three cans of soda with one hand, and it was one of the most amazing. He just reached in like he was grabbing like a bottle of something, and he re re came out with three cans in his hand and just acted like it was nothing. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I'll say that's not, I most people would not consider that the most amazing thing LeBron's ever <laughs> yeah, seen. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some stuff, but that's always, yeah, it's amazing. Some anyway. stuff and some things, yeah. man. Well, hey, Sean Grandy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure uh, uh, talking hoop and wrestling with you. And uh, you know, I'll I'll be sure to to wave a little bit louder when you're when you're running. And uh, how how long do you usually run? What what's your what's your usual run? I was not I was not a runner until the pandemic closed the gyms. I would oh, yeah. run I'd run a mile to the gym or something like that. But now, and I say this only because it's just a matter of time before my body breaks down. I'm running like 40, 45 miles a week. Wow. Oh my god. That's impressive. Just do it. Um, and you know, it's you know what happened though. Like this thing happened. The Fitbit. Yeah, got the, the Apple Watch. You just became obsessed with the calorie burn or whatever. And all of a sudden, I, as someone who always went to the gym every day, I realized, man, you burn a lot more calories running. <clears throat> so I just became a. You know, you, you're around all those NBA players. You're competitive. You're trying to beat your your day well, total every day. It's really more that there's. 10,000 calories a day that they're all you're around it in this life. You better make a decision. Because it is not a healthy lifestyle. It's eating out, eating late night on the oh, plane. Yeah, sure. You don't make it part of your life. It's uh, yeah, it could go south. I had yeah. to move my move ring to ninety calories because I got sick of it nagging me every day that I didn't close. My I don't. Ring. I, I don't. I'm like, I will get the once in a while, depending on how the day is structured. You'll get the, you know, check your check your watch, check your whatever it is, your calories, check your thing, check your move range. I'm like, I got married. I don't need somebody else. <laughs> me about what, 
by getting up and moving around or whatever. So <laughs> you're if you, see, you see me on the deck boat, it's probably because my watch told me I had to go. Your up. watch is literally get out and do something. I mean, Why make it that might as well make it that kind of, you know, that kind of voice. I said my, my wife finally caught on to me, but I changed my uh, GPS to like the, the sexy British woman, you know, because I, I don't mind taking the directions if it's in a certain <laughs> she caught smart on thinking. That's smart thinking. Yeah. Well, hey, Sean, once again, thank you so much for joining the Michael Bryan show. Uh, like I said, I'll say, say hi. I'll yell at you from the 300s and, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll stay in touch and we'll, we'll see each other in the future. Thanks again for joining us. You got it. All right. Thanks a lot, John. Welcome back to the Michael Bryan show. Want to thank uh, Mr. Sean Grandy of the uh, Boston Celtics 98.5 uh, radio broadcast. Uh, he's going to be on TV soon, as we found out. Uh, very exciting times. Uh, Want to thank, of course, Jeff Taylor down in Celebration, Florida, uh, for all of his help. Uh, in great stories of his mom uh, putting other people's lives in danger while <laughs> driving with dilated pupils. And uh, of course, I want to thank myself because without me, there would be no Mike O'Brien show. Right. That is true. Yeah, that's that true. Is 100% true. Yeah. So thank you all for listening. Please like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Jeff and I are off to go watch football. I to the 99, Jeff to his couch, maybe, maybe power wash some things, put some headlights in your car. You got to think I'm doing Sunday. that. I'm putting power, yeah, I'm putting the headlights in because believe me, exciting. I don't want to go through that anymore. Yeah. So thank you once again for listening. Have a wonderful day. We love you all equally and ta ta for now. <laughs>